This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. Hello again. Um, so during the time between worship and now, it was pointed out to me, please do not follow my example with the um, picture in the unforgettable banner because I realize I misspelled unforgettable. So if you're going to do it, spell it right. That's my only, that's my only request. But anyway, again, my name's uh, Brady Chastain, youth minister here at Parkview. And like I said, we're starting our new series, Unforgettable. And again, you're stuck with me. So to start off, I want to tell you guys a story. First of all, I want to kind of get to know my audience a little bit. How many of us have tattoos here? I have a lot. There we go. All right. I'm going to tell you guys a story about the time I got my first tattoo. Now, to start off, I want to say if you don't have any, that's fine. That is okay. You are good. You don't have to have one uh, to enjoy this story. I'm not pressuring you to get one. It is all personal preference. But whenever I was in high school, um, I was listening to a sermon one time. I know you would think that uh, being a minister now that I paid attention all the time, whenever I was in high school. And that's a, that, that's a lie. I didn't pay attention all the time. It was just this one day. For some reason, this sermon stuck out in my mind. And as the years have gone by, because this happened probably seven or eight years ago, I've forgotten it, except for one part. And that's the part that I'm going to be talking about today. But uh, I'm listening to this sermon, and the preacher's talking about this verse in uh, Philippians, and it stuck out to me. It stuck out to me so much so that whenever I was trying to figure out my first tattoo going into my junior year of college, this verse was the only thing that I could think of whenever I was like, what should my first tattoo be? This is a pretty big decision. This is going to be on my, lo- or on my body for the rest of my life. Like, I need to make sure it's good. And so this verse was popping into my head over and over, almost daily for four years, I'd say. And so finally, around Christmas time, I pulled the trigger and got the tattoo. Um, And this verse, it means a lot to me. It is a good reminder. And it means so much to me that I got it on my bicep. Now, I, I covered it up today and wasn't really thinking about that. But Um, The tattoo is there, and talk about the pain that I went through. And the thing is, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Because this scripture, it's more about the scripture that's meaningful for me. So if you're wondering what tattoo I'm talking about, it's the one on my bicep, and it says, or it's Philippians 121, and it says, For to me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. That verse has stuck with me ever since high school. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of context about this verse. Paul is writing the letter of Philippians to the church in Philippi, and he's in prison writing this letter um, because he had time, apparently. And so he is talking about how some people are preaching out of the love of Jesus. Like they love Jesus so much that they're going out and they're talking and preaching about Jesus to whoever, right? And then uh, Paul is, again, writing in this letter, and he says that he wants his body to be exalted 
for Christ. And immediately after he says, I want my body to be exalted for Christ, he says, for to me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And I love this verse. I do. It's my favorite. But I'm going to let you know why I love this verse. And there are two reasons. The first one, and I know most of you will be able to relate. It's a really short Bible verse, so memorizing it's super easy. Like, whenever somebody asks it, or like asks what it means, I could just be like, yeah, for to me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. That's what it means, you know? Simple. Super short. But then the second reason, and this, I love, I love what Paul has to say. Because there are people in the Bible, and Paul's a great example of not being subtle. We'll just say that. Paul's very blunt whenever he's writing letters, and that's the case here. Paul's talking very literally. He's saying that as long as he is alive, he is going to try to emulate Christ with his life. And that if he were to die, and this is the part that is just, it blows my mind, he's, he's saying that's almost even better than living because he gets to be with Jesus. And that's amazing. Paul gets it. As long as he's alive, he's going to try and emulate a life like Christ. But if he dies, he's all right with it because he gets to see Jesus. And he is not scared of death. But we are all living, breathing human beings. And so I think we need to focus on the part of this scripture that says to live is Christ. Paul's talking about living a life, emulating the life that Christ lived. And I've always had a personal philosophy, and I think a lot of you guys would agree that we need to live a life like Christ. How? How do we do this? And so, we're going to be looking at two passages of Scripture. Um, so if you guys want to go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew 20, verse 28. Um, the words will be up on the screen as well. So we're going to be starting in Matthew, and we're going to look at how Jesus lived. That's going to be the big chunk of this sermon is how did Jesus live. And so two parts. And the first part, Matthew 20, verse 28, says this. Jesus is talking, and he says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus here talking about two things. The, the most important is to give his life as a ransom for many. That means Jesus predicted his death and saving all of us. That's important. But like I said, and like I pointed out, we are all living, breathing human beings. And if we're going to live like Christ while we are alive, we need to follow up the example that Jesus gives these are powerful words from Jesus. And what Jesus is saying here is this. He's saying, be a servant. Jesus is doing things. 
in the Gospels, right? We're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And how many times are we just seeing Jesus sitting by idly, not doing anything? Almost every encounter that we have with Jesus in Scripture, the man's doing something. Think about it. All the times that he healed somebody, all the times that he went out and he was preaching to people, whatever you can think of, the miracles, anything, Jesus is serving. And he points it out. And so being a servant seems simple, right? Like, you'd think that Jesus' words are plain and simple. We can do this easily. But I'm going to say what Jesus said a tad bit differently. I'm going to word it a little different. And this is what my rewording of it is. We aren't meant to be warm bodies in the church. We're supposed to be active members in the church. You might be wondering, Brady, what's a warm body? And I'm glad you asked. I feel like sometimes whenever people walk through the church doors, the only spiritual part of their week is sitting in a chair, listening to worship and listening to a sermon. And then they walk out those church doors Monday through Saturday there's no change. Sometimes we see that and they're not living like Christ. Warm bodies is referring to people who show up. But that's not what we're called to do. That's not what we're called to be. If we're trying to live a life like Christ, then we are supposed to be active members in the church. We are supposed to serve. We are supposed to get to know each other. We are supposed to do all of these things. And sometimes that means we have to get uncomfortable. Sometimes that means we have to do things that we're not sure that we're going to be okay doing. Jesus calls us to serve even when it's uncomfortable, even whenever we don't like the idea of maybe leading a connect group or volunteering at a certain place in the church. Jesus calls us to do it even whenever we're not sure. So you guys might be wondering how or where do we serve? I'm going to give you um, a list of things here at Parkview. These are some of the ways that you can serve, not all. And so if you guys do have questions about this, feel free to ask the staff or the eldership because we, we have places for you to serve. And so the first one is the coffee ministry out by the banner. The next one is the greeters. How many of us like being greeted whenever we first come into church? Because it's warm. It's a great welcoming, right? We like whenever somebody has a smile on their face and they say, hey, we're glad you're here today. We like that. The next is children's ministry up in that hallway right there. I can tell you. They get some really cool shirts, right? A few of you are wearing your shirts. That's awesome. 
But also, Jonah is always looking for help. And he would love for you to be a part of his team. The people who volunteer with the children's ministry, they love it. They like serving and helping these kids. The next one, <laughs> shameless plug, the youth ministry. And that hallway right there. I'm always looking for volunteers. I think we have a good time. We have a few of the volunteers here today. I think we, I think we like it. And then next one is the worship team with Dane. If you guys are musically gifted, don't just sit on it. Go, perform, play an instrument. That's what it is to not be a warm body. It's to be uncomfortable, take a chance, do something that you're not fully okay with, and just see where God takes you while you are serving. Because I can guarantee that he will take you to places that you never thought you could go. We're always looking for new people to help serve, and these are, again, just a few of the opportunities that we provide here at Parkview. And so, while we're looking at how Jesus lived, we saw the servant uh, attitude, right? What else? I want you to know there's a lot of ways that Jesus lived, and we're going to be looking at another one. And I'm going to let you guys know something that this message might get a little personal for me, for you. And I want you to know that I'm in the boat with you. You guys might be paddling. I've got the bucket, and I'm trying to get the water out to prevent us from sinking. This is for me just as it is for you. So with that being said, let's flip over to Mark 12, uh, verses 30 and 31. And so, somebody asked Jesus what the greatest commandment is. And Jesus responds with, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So again, someone asked Jesus, hey, you're smart. You know what you're talking about. You know the law. You know the first five books of the Bible. Which one's the best? And Jesus responds with this. And he's, the, basically what Jesus is saying to summarize it is love God with everything that you have and then love your neighbor as yourself. Loving God with everything we have. Got it. I love God. I pray. I do my devotionals. I serve. I'm doing it. Good job. And if that, that applies, then yes. Awesome. Because that's the greatest. And then Jesus has to throw one in that sometimes is really, really hard. Jesus throws in the love your neighbor as yourself. 
And whenever he says this, he doesn't mean the person that lives next door to you. No. He means a person that you don't like. He means the person that you have differing opinions. That's what he means. And we're supposed to love them. Not tolerate them. Not just be able to be civil and be in the same room as them, but we're supposed to love them. And that's the hard part. So loving one another, it it comes in all shapes and sizes. It really does. One of my favorite things about the word love is this, is that whenever it's used in Scripture, every time that the word love is used in the New Testament, it's Greek, so we translate from Greek to English. Love is a verb. Love isn't a feeling. It's something that we do, something that we show. Love comes in all shapes and sizes. And so one example is this. We can show our neighbor that we love them by serving, or even better, serving them. A few weeks ago, actually it was last week, Joel was telling a story about camp. And since that's fresh on my mind, I'm also going to tell a story about camp. So... We show up, and I'm looking around, and I'm seeing all these great adult volunteers, some high school volunteers that absolutely knocked it out of the park. They did such a great job that week. And there was just one thing that I kept thinking about. We all had a job. We had work. We had to take a week off of work to go to camp. We took vacation time to go to camp. And one of the things that I kept thinking of is that, man, like, to do that, whenever you could have taken a week of vacation to go to Florida, to go on vacation, to go in the mountains, but you took a week of vacation to come to camp. That's love. That's loving your neighbor. That's loving this upcoming generation taking that time. Another example, and if you guys have ever worked a week of camp, you'll know what I'm about to say, and you'll be like, praise Jesus, amen, yes. What what I'm going to say is this, is another example of love, is that while we are serving, we are also watching kids who come up to us every 15 minutes asking what's next on the schedule whenever they have one in their backpack. Loving that kid is not snapping at them, but calmly saying, you have a schedule in your bag. You can look it up. I'll tell you what time it is, and then you can, you know, see what's up next. Loving the kid is also just being like, yeah, we're going to rec next. Go get changed. We are going to go to rec. Then we have swim time. Let, you know, we're just going to head up to the dorm, go down. All right, cool. That's loving the kid instead of snapping at them. Instead of 
for the 10th time that you've heard when's our next event and it's only noon and you go to bed at 10 o'clock, that's love. Especially because we're sleep deprived, caffeine deprived, and if you're like me, you're an introvert and you need alone time to recharge and you have none of that that week of camp. I tell you, it's a lot of fun though, it really is. And finally, the last example of camp is this. It's the counselors, right? We think of camp and we always think of the students and they're having a great time and yes, we do it for the students. I made great friends during this week of camp. And we love the other counselors and encourage them because we shared the experience together. And that leads to my next point, is that when we serve, we love others because we share an experience with them. Man, at camp with the counselors, we're all going through the same thing. If I've been asked, what's up next on the schedule? I know Nikki Campbell has been asked about 12 times as well. And whenever it's rec time, whenever it's swim time, whenever it is listening to Jonah while he's giving the message, and we go up to one of the counselors who might be having a particularly rough day and say, hey, you're doing a great job, keep it up. That's love. And the reason that we encourage is because we're all in it together. And that's the beauty of serving is serving is love, not just to the people, but to who you're working with. Because you get to build relationships. You get to be friends with somebody that you might not have thought that you'd be friends with, ever. That's love. It's easier to encourage because you're going through the same thing. And here's the weird thing about love. Is that while it is all of those things, it's beneficial to figure out what love isn't. So if you guys are anything like me, you're on social media way too much. Um, it, it's, I, yeah, I'm on Twitter a lot. That's my, that's my social media app of choice. For you, it might be Facebook, it might be TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, whatever it is. And have you guys ever been scrolling through and you're looking at posts and you see something that you disagree with and that it irks you? You're like, oh, I don't like that. Or maybe you're scrolling through these social media apps and you're seeing something that you're like, yes, that's the thing that I agree with. I like it. So whenever we're scrolling and we see something that we don't like, how many times have we stopped and commented on a post, tweeted something out, commented on an Instagram post, and how many times has that led to an argument? Now, if you haven't done that, that, good. But I bet that you have seen posts like that. I bet you've, you've looked at stuff like that and you've read through the drama in the comments. And how many times have we commented on something like this and 
we didn't stop to think how our words are affecting another person. We didn't stop to think, is this hurting somebody? Or am I just wanting to be right? See, church, loving our neighbors isn't just serving alongside them. Loving our neighbor is not saying something when we really, really want to. It's controlling our words. I feel like today, social media, it's easy to have Twitter fingers. It's easy to say something online. But before this happens, before you make this decision, ask yourself, would you say this person or say this thing to this person face to face? If you wouldn't, I would advise that you wouldn't type it. Commenting something hateful on someone's Facebook or Twitter post, it, that, that's not loving somebody. Or, and this could be the case as well, maybe your intention isn't to hurt someone, but the, but the conversation happened on social media. And I want you guys to know that you can't read body language, you can't hear voice inflections, you can't see their eyes through a screen. So much more of communication is about being like face-to-face -face in person. So you might not be upset, but you don't know about the other person. You might have damaged them while you're thinking you're cool. However, whenever we see a Facebook post, a Twitter post, Instagram, whatever it is, Maybe it's whenever we hear something. Sometimes not saying something is showing that you love someone. Because when you do that, no matter what was said, you can still have a relationship with that person. Right? It's... It's building up walls and barriers by getting into arguments. And whenever we do that, the door shut. And having a relationship with that person, incredibly hard. And finally, the last part about loving our neighbor is this. We have to get to know people. We have to make an intentional effort to know people. Okay, so, from personal experience in the life of Brady, this is hard. You can ask my girlfriend, Maddie, or my parents. They're both here today. Sometimes whenever I'm talking to somebody new, I introduce myself and I freeze up like Shaggy and Scooby right before they meet the monster in the episode. You know that short second whenever like Shaggy or Scooby are jumping into each other's arms and then they just stop for a second and then they run? That's me whenever it comes to meeting new people. I'm not that bad. I usually take off immediately, all right? I don't wait. No, I'm kidding. But... I struggle with keeping a conversation going sometimes. 
I'm good at matching the energy that the other person gives. So, you know, if they're giving good energy and, like, they're, you know, really happy about talking, I guess, or they bring up questions, I'm asking questions, it's a good conversation, everything's flowing nicely, right? And then sometimes that doesn't happen, and I'm left with, well, what do I do now? And that's hard. I try, but sometimes I fail. Sometimes it takes three or four interactions with somebody before it feels comfortable. However, and again, I'm just as guilty as sometimes whenever we see somebody new come into the church or whenever we see somebody who might have been here a few times and we take a look at them, right? This isn't even just with church. This is with school. This is at the grocery store, at the gym, whatever. We take a look at a person and then we have a preconceived idea about who this person is and our first thought about them is a judgment. And we're building a barrier between us and that person. And that barrier is preventing us from talking to them. And is that really love? It might be somebody's first time at church and if nobody goes up to talk to them, they're gonna feel ostracized. Maybe they have a bad experience with church and they're hurt from their previous church. And the first thing that they experience whenever they get here is nobody talking to them. Is that love? Maybe you know them from social media and because they might not have the same beliefs that you do, you won't talk to them when Sunday comes. Maybe you're awkward like me and talking to new people is hard. Whatever the barrier that is putting us between somebody else from loving them, we need to remember this one thing. And that's that we can't love people if we don't get to know them. We can't love people unless we are intentional about our interactions. And if we aren't trying to make people feel welcomed when they walk through those doors, then what are we doing? If people don't feel like they can come here and open up, what are we doing? If we aren't loving others by the example that Jesus gave, by serving, maybe it's controlling what we say or being intentional of what we say. Or maybe it's going out of our way to get to know them. Then can we say that we are living like Christ if we aren't doing those things? It's like Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And Paul said, to live is Christ. And if you're like me, like I said at the beginning, you're going to try to live like Christ. So the question I want to leave with you guys today is this. Are we really living like Christ 
if we aren't serving and loving others. If anyone has a decision to make or needs prayer, I'll be standing up here. And would you guys please stand back up as the worship band leads us.